was probably, I want to say like early fall, late summer, somewhere around in there. I seen an ad for a Gabby Bernstein writing course, and I'm a big, huge fan of hers. And I was like, hmm, I really think that this would probably be good. Like, I kind of want to do this. But the fear of stepping out there and being seen and, and all of that came creeping up. So I took a screenshot of the course, put it on my Instagram story and was like, hmm, is the universe giving me a sign? This is something I want to do. And then like question marks, you know, the next day, Gabby had shared that on her Instagram story. Like my screenshot got shared on her story. And I was like, okay, universe, thank you. This is the time. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm going to take that side and I'm going to run with it. So I did the course and, you know, learned all the things about writing and stuff from her. And then in December of last year, I decided I'm doing it. I'm writing a book. I had just completed my coaching certification. A dear friend of mine that I had made through through that program was like, you need to do this. Let me help you. I want to help you on this journey. Let's do this together. So I started seriously writing in December with a goal of having the book completed in six months. And in July, I went a little over my goal, but still July of 2021, the book was completed and it published at the end of the month on Amazon. It's a really exciting thing because the way you share in your book is just so honest. Yes. There's no, you know, this isn't that, oh, she's skirting those issues or anything else. You really just head on talk about all of these different things and I like the way that you at the end of each chapter give journaling ideas and then are you recognizing these different things in yourself because that whole people pleasing thing I think so many of us fall into that and need to recognize it so you start your book with some questions do you recognize any people-pleasing tendencies in your daily actions. Yes. Talk about some of them. Yeah. So real quick before I dive into that, it was very important to me when I decided to write the book that it was going to be completely and totally unfiltered, right? Like, I'm like, if I'm doing this, I'm doing it. It's going to be real. It's going to be raw. It's going to be completely authentic, no holds barred. And I also wanted it to not just be about me, right? Like the majority is, I call it a self-help memoir. Right. So like it's about me, but it's so that you can recognize some of what I've been through in yourself and give you steps to start your own healing journey. So it was really important to me for those two aspects to be a major part of the book itself. I think that probably 95 percent of women are people pleasers, even if they don't want to admit it or don't recognize it in themselves. And I would say the biggest one in your daily activities would be if like something pops into your head or you think like I need a few minutes or I need to do this or that would feel really good for me but I don't have time for that or I need to take care of them first or I need to do this for them first or so anytime that you have an inkling to do something for yourself 
but you decide that the the care, the well-being, the feelings, the emotions, anything of anybody else needs to take priority over what you think you need or want, my darling, that is 100% people-pleasing. It's amazing. It really is. You know, it's so funny. I think back to when my kids were growing up and I'd be food shopping and my carriage would be filled with everything that the kids wanted. And my kids were not junk food eaters. I'm not a junk food eater. But then I would get little things for myself. Mm-hmm. And then I'd look at what I actually had to spend. All my stuff went back on that shelf. Oh, God, yes. Always. Always, always, always. Always. And it was so funny. The first time when I was finally, all my kids were grown and gone, and I would open my refrigerator, like, look at that. Everything (laughs) in there is what I want. (laughs) It was something so silly. Yeah. But so real. And as parents, and especially as moms, it is the first thing that you do. Oh, Mm -hmm. I'll take care of me later. Yeah. You know, oh, I don't need to do this. And believe me, you do. You do. You do. You know, even taking just that five minutes yeah. to just sit and breathe. Yep. You know, I get up in the morning. It's funny because you ask in the book, you know, what do you do for yourself? Mm-hmm. I wake up in the morning. My girlfriend's an early riser and we walk before dawn. Yeah. We watch the sunrise. I love that. And I've been wanting to do it and wanting to do it. And I, I love to walk and everything. She got sick. Oh. She wound up sick. And you know what? I rolled out of bed, got up, washed my face, brushed my teeth, grabbed my water, and walked out the door. Because mm-hmm. I got myself into that habit, and I wasn't going to change it. Yeah. I like that before my day has even begun, I've already taken that time for me. Yeah. To just walk and breathe it's so important and especially as moms of young kids Mm. oh I can remember just wanting to take a bath Uh, yep the bathroom the bathroom became like a sacred space like if you can go to the bathroom without fingers under the door knocks crying yelling for you like that became like a self-care within itself, being able to go to the bathroom without your kids with you. And you know what? That's actually not self-care. It's That's not. That's just a bath. That's just life, right? Mom deserves a bath. Yeah. But it's amazing how women, we put that in our self-care category. Mm-hmm. A bath by myself. It's so easy to put yourself last on your list. But you know what? As mom, you are the nucleus. You are the nucleus. Keeping yourself healthy keeps your family healthy, keeps your children healthy, and shows them that they deserve to take care of themselves. Right. And to help mommy. My grandson's three, and we had a sleepover the other night. And I was trying to scratch my back, and he's like, I got it, Mimi. And he came up behind me, and he's scratching my back. little heart. I know. (laughs) He was like, or I banged my shin. Next thing I know, he kneels down, and he kisses my shin. All better. I'm like, it's all better. I could have been bleeding and needing stitches, and believe me, it was all better. It was all better. (laughs) You know, those are the things. And you know what? It's funny, because when we practice self-care, we really do teach our children. You do. 
that mommy is important. Yep. Mommy needs to be taken care of because often mommy, you know, and again, in that people pleasing thing, it can negatively impact you. For sure. And you talk about that a lot in your book too. Maybe share a little bit because you really did. It's, it's I like that it's uncensored. You know, it's the way, you know, it's a perfect title. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely, when we were trying to come up with the title, I was like, it's a no holds bar, my friends. It definitely impacts everybody differently. First of all, for me, I do believe that my people pleasing tendencies is what led into my depression and anxiety, because for me, people pleasing started when I was very young. Like that was not just a motherhood adult thing. People pleasing for me started very young in my childhood because I grew up in a environment of alcoholism and drugs and addiction and chaos and fighting and abuse and just madness, right? Like dysfunction, like a lot of people, you know, but for me, it became trying to keep any attention positive or negative away from myself and trying to keep peace within a household. So people pleasing just kind of became a survival mechanism for me as a child and as a teenager. And then it just became my normal. It was just the way of life. Like that's just how I thought things were. So, of course, because that was my learned behaviors, I carried that into my, you know, adulthood and then into my marriage and into motherhood. And I do think that and for no fault of anybody like, I, you know, I would never put blame on anybody else for this because it was just my own behaviors. But I definitely think that that is, you know, a big part of what led to my downward spiral into deep depression. You're incredibly honest about your depression. Yeah. In this book. And life as a hockey mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, for those who do not have kids in sports, my kids were, thank goodness, baseball, softball, volleyball, track. <laughs> I had friends who were hockey moms. Yeah. Oh, my word. People it's a whole new world. It's a whole world. Like, it, it is. It, it's a beast in itself. It really is. But people don't realize that you're up as mom at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. To be trying to get kids to their hockey practices and stuff like that that happened before school, maybe 30 miles away from yeah. home and, <laughs> and things like that. And, you know, you're so candid about just how depressed and overwhelmed. Yeah. How for you, were you able, what were the steps that you took? Because for those listening Mm -hmm. and dealing with their depression, Mm -hmm. what can you share? Yeah. So the very first thing that I would say to anybody who thinks that even remotely thinks that they may possibly be dealing with any level of depression is stop hiding it because I did it for years. Like I, you know, I say in the book, like I had mad ninja skills when it came to hiding my depression and anxiety, or so I thought, right? Um, We think that we're putting on this face and we're so brave and, you know, nobody around us knows what's going on, but they know. They just don't say anything because you don't say anything. So, but that's my number one. Like if I could go back in time, the very first thing that I would change is when I really was in those moments of overwhelm and just crying and, 
not being able to be fully present in my life or in my kids' life because I was just so depressed and stressed and and afraid to say anything, you know, I would go back and I would and I would open up to my husband a hundred percent because I know now he would have done everything in his power to help right to to make things easier on me to help me get help and the very first thing that I would change and the very first thing that I would recommend to anybody is if you have that spouse if you have that significant other or that partner or whatever you have in your life tell them open up just be honest and if you don't if you are one of those super strong single parents out there single moms Find somebody that you can lean on, a friend, a, a sister, a brother, a mother, a father, like like whoever that you have in your life that you trust, a religious leader, like I don't care. There has to be some person in your life that you trust enough that is a safe space for you that you can say, I'm struggling. I am struggling and I need help. That is the number one step that we can take is to Stop feeling shame and guilt around the fact that we suffer from mental health issues because there is no shame in it. It is life. It is out of your control. You did nothing wrong. You did not bring this on yourself. You do not deserve it. Like, stop living with that burden on you that you brought this on yourself, so you're just going to deal with it. That is not the way it works. So drop the shame. Drop the guilt. Open up your heart, realize that you deserve more than what you're currently experiencing, and turn to that trusted person in your life and let them know what you have going on. It's amazing how often we will listen to what other people's fears are and their anxieties will be that sounding board for them, Mm -hmm. but trusting somebody to open up about yourself. Yeah such a different thing it is it just really is you know it's so funny because I I live my life I am who I am I've just always been one of those people my brother's always called me Mary Poppins because (laughs) I'll always be able to find a way to find something good somewhere Mm -hmm. and then there are those days that it's like you know what guys I just didn't have a good day right and that's okay. It is absolutely, it's a thousand percent okay. Yeah. The hard part is remembering that you woke up today. So here you go. Yeah. I just wrote a post today about this. It's so ironic. <laughs> and in talking about how we drag the things we cannot change, we drag yesterday, we drag all our mistakes. Yeah. You know, oh, I should have done this and should have, would have, could have. The material. It's immaterial how often we let the things we cannot change impede our today and what we can, because today is today. So we get to change today. Right. Can't change yesterday. You can't change tomorrow. It hasn't happened, but you got today. Here we go. So let's, you know, and I, I like, again, how you give all these journaling, like, different questions and different things. How for you 
has journaling and I love the aromatherapy and mm-hmm. how you became somebody that is now certified as an aromatherapist. I love how you've taken things in your life that helped you and then learned how to turn it into ways you can help someone else. Yeah. Yeah. So the aromatherapy came about because on my healing journey out of depression and anxiety, you know, I started with medication and therapy. Like those were two vital things because I was so, I was in such a deep, dark hole that there's no way for me that I would have been able to pull myself out of it without starting that traditional route. It was vital for me. So I did that. And, you know, as the months went by and I started to feel better, that got me thinking, okay, I'm not great with meds. Like, it's just me. I'm just not. Like, I don't like to take them. I didn't want to be on them the rest of my life. And so I'm like, I need to start looking for alternative options here to to help me down this path. And so that's where the aromatherapy came about for me as I really started researching into it. There was so much conflicting information out there in the world about it. I was like, I really want to feel secure and safe and using this for myself, for my family. So that led me to getting certified. And so using the aromatherapy, you know, really helped. I had a job that I didn't love, right? Like it was a very stressful environment for me. So, you know, one of the ways that I started getting through a day better is before work, I would journal and meditate. I would make sure I would diffuse oils that were, you know, would help my nervous system be more calm. And those were just little things that I would do to to help fight off, I guess, any anxiety or depressive episodes throughout the day. And journaling was a very vital part of my recovery, I guess, in all aspects from people pleasing, from depression, from anxiety, because it gave me a space to put what was going on in my head and in my heart on paper without feeling any sort of embarrassment, like that I had to say it out loud to a therapist, or I had to share it with my husband, or, you know, like if I didn't like my kids that day, I could put it on paper without being like, yeah, people are going to judge me if I say I don't like my kids today. But I mean, it happens and it is what it is. So it doesn't mean you don't love them. It just means they might be annoying. You're not real fond of them. And that's okay. But so journaling was really my safe space to put my thoughts my feelings, my hurts, my pain, like everything. I could just literally word vomit on the paper and then do a little meditation afterwards, have some, you know, calming oils going while I was doing it. And it really was just such an important part of healing for me because it allowed me to stop bottling everything up and holding it all in. And it gave me somewhere to just release everything that I was was feeling and holding on to. So journaling has been, and it's not for everybody. Like I get that. I, I have some friends that are like, I just can't do it. And if writing it out like isn't good for you, like even doing like the voice thing on your phone, right? Like just talking to yourself, like find a way that you are comfortable with releasing all of that buildup that you have in you, because that's really the only way to begin healing is to get it out and to release it. It's true. For some people, journaling just doesn't come naturally. Yeah. Talking does. 
Right. And it's funny. You ever watch Grace and Frankie? No. Oh, it's a great show. You should watch it. So Frankie talks to Grace about how vlogging, sometimes you say what you need to hear mm-hmm. or you hear what you need to say. And, and it's amazing because I do it in my car. Yeah. I, when I'm driving, I'll have a conversation with myself. If I'm talking, you know, if something's bothering me. It's so funny. In the beginning, I used to put my headset in so it looked like I was talking to other people. And then I'm like, <laughs> well, I give a shit what people think. Exactly. You know, I'm talking to myself. It's like, look, I work for myself. I'm having a company meeting. That's right. You know? <laughs> We're really brainstorming is. over here. <laughs> but you know what's interesting when you're saying the brainstorming, though, because I'll be talking out something and then all of a sudden, brainstorming ideas will happen and I hit the recorder on my phone Yep. because I'm like, wait a second, I need to remember these things yep. and I will hit the recorder so I can go back and listen. Yeah. But you know what? Sometimes just getting it out for me, I love to write. So yeah. if things are really bothering me, that's when I will pick up a pen and paper and mm-hmm. just write it out and write it out and write it out. Because for me, it's like I used to put it in a God box. Mm-hmm. if I was having a problem with something yep. and I would take it, I put it in a God box and for, people were like, why? I was like, I'm giving it up to God. I yep. wrote it out. I put it down. This is what's bothering me here. You know, now it's out. Yep, it's out because that. when we hold those things inside us, oh my gosh, the destruction that it does yes. to us, our sleep, our yep. eat, you know, just it everything. all manifests into physical symptoms it is going to one way or the other you are either going to be overweight or you're the woman who's starving themselves you know you we find a way and we take it out on ourselves we do we it's amazing self-sabotagers on a continuous basis yep and you don't even read you know it's like you're so used to doing it oh yeah you don't even realize you're doing it how did i do that how did that happen yeah you know and we are going to take a quick break because this is obviously not going to be a 30 minute show <laughs> and we're going to come back because this is a really, really important topic and women need to hear this. Men need to hear it too, but especially women because, you know, we are who we are. So we'll be right back in just a moment here on Word of Mom Radio. She is brave. She is strong. She is you because you're that woman who's got a product or a service that you're looking to promote or you're out there seeking to support other women in business to help women learn, network, and build the businesses of their dreams, because when you win, we win. We all know a survivor. Some of our friends and family have made it through difficult times. Some of us don't make it. Losing a loved one to cancer, a car accident, or any other unfortunate event can be crippling and unavoidable. But one of the hardest subjects to talk about is suicide. Too often, our youth decide that leaving this place is easier than facing the struggle forced upon them every day. More than one in four children go through some form of bullying or another. Most of us survive with scars, but for some... The inner demons created cannot be recognized or treated in time to ensure they make it through. Bullying in every form is very much avoidable. It starts with me, and it starts with you. This is Kelly Carius from No Such Thing as a Bully, reminding you to do your part when you see bullying happen. If you don't know what that is, call 403-447-4404 or go to nosuchthingasabully.com. Don't let the name fool you because stadiumbags.com has a line of clear bags 
that enable you to use your phone and your smart devices without removing them from your bag. Not only that, but the product is so good it'll stand up to the cleaning solvents that you need to use now to make sure that when you come home, you come home safely. So take a look at stadiumbags.com. You'll see why we're your clear choice, because safety, it's in the bag. And we are back in a very long conversation with Teresa Turk. And I'm glad because, you know, very often we really do try to keep it to a 30-minute podcast. (laughs) Sometimes a topic is so important, we don't need to wait for part two. Right. We can just keep going because it is so important. One of the questions you ask is, what would your life look like if you start taking care of yourself? Mm, Isn't that powerful? It's a very powerful question. It's a very powerful question because it's really true. What would life look like when you start taking care of you? What did it start looking like for you, Teresa? Oh, easier, happier, less stress. Like I can now wake up in the morning and like not instantly feel like the knots in my stomach or you can sleep at night or, you know, like you can wake up and look forward to what you have going on that day and not be like, oh, my God, my to-do list is so long. Is this When is this day going to be over before your feet even hit the floor? Like, who wants to live life like that? Like, you're just waiting for it to be over. And that's like, no, that's no fun. That's no way to live. Or, you know, if you're someone who, like, spends your life just waiting for those big moments, like, oh, I can't wait till we go on vacation in eight months from now. Like, you're just constantly wishing away your days to get to some other moment. And when you really start healing past traumas, past pains, when you start facing your demons, whether it's, you know, your depression or your anxiety, or maybe it's a toxic relationship or unable to set boundaries with your family or whatever you have going on in your life that is causing you so much resistance. When you really start facing it and healing through it and growing, things just like open up for you. You can enjoy the small moments with your children. Like sitting out on my porch every single morning, it's almost like a non-negotiable. When I get up, I feed my animals, I get my coffee, I grab a book, I grab my journal, I head out to my porch, I settle in my nice comfy chair, I watch my chickens roam around my yard, I see the steam coming off my coffee. Like it just brings me so much joy to do that little thing. I look forward to that every single morning. And 10 years ago, I would have never even dreamed that that would bring me happiness or that I would even be able to do that. Now, you know, side note, my kids are older now. So for all of you mamas who still have, you know, your young babies at home, I know you're like rolling your eyes like, girl, I ain't got time for that. But you can make time for that even if it's five, 10 minutes. You just have to make yourself that priority. And one thing I can say about making yourself a priority is it's almost like a promise to yourself. So if you make a promise to your children that you're going to take them to Chuck E. Cheese on Friday, 
and they're looking forward to that. And then come Friday, you're like, yeah, I, I don't think you're important enough for us to do that. Would you do that? Would you say that to your children? Could you imagine the disappointment? So do you think that you should break those promises you make to yourself? If you can say to yourself, you know what, tomorrow morning, we're going to get up 10 minutes before everybody else. You're going to grab your favorite drink. You're going to sit on the couch and you're just going to enjoy that time to yourself. Next morning comes, you're like, you know what, you're not worthy of that time. Like you wouldn't do that to your kids. You wouldn't break that promise to your kids or to your spouse or to whoever. So why do you think it's okay to break those promises to yourself? You are just as worthy. So try to think of it like that way, that it's more of like a promise and and see if that can kind of shift it up for you a little bit. I was a single mom since my kids were six, four, and two. Mm -hmm. I used to get up 45 minutes before I had to wake up my kids. So I could make a pot of tea for myself mm. and just sit, maybe read another chapter in my book, yeah. just sit and sip my tea, anybody in my lap or anything else, just to have that tiny bit of quiet time to myself, even as they got older. And we're in, you know, now I'm working at home and I would get up an hour before they woke mm -hmm. up. I would still sit on my couch, have my first cup of tea, and then I would take the, the rest of my tea up to my office <laughs> to check my emails and things right. like that and get a little bit of work done before I had to because I was the breakfast mom mm -hmm. and driving kids to school. Yep. And then I would grab my pitcher of water and my pot of tea and go up to my office. And the next thing I know, they were coming home from school. Right. And my office shut down from when they came home from school until bedtime. And then I would go back at night and work because sports, dinner, blah, yep. blah, 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 blah. But I always, to this day, it's so funny. My teapot is sitting on my table. I get up, <laughs> I do my walk. I come in, I take my shower. I come out. I love breakfast. It's my favorite meal. Mm -hmm. I make my pot of tea and my teapot that my son bought me Aww. so many years ago that I still have. And that is my thing. And before I open up Facebook or anything else, I have that first cup of tea just for me. Just for you. And it's so funny. It never occurred to me until, you know, knowing now the ritual queen, <laughs> that that has always been a ritual in my life. I was just going to say that. Yep. Yeah. It's really funny. And I never thought of it that way. Yep. But it's true. This is my little thing. It's the same thing in the evening. I make my cup of sleepy time tea or pension tamer tea, mm -hmm. and I just kind of sit. I try not to go online and things yeah. like that. I'll make my good night post, and I try to do it every night, a good night and a good morning. But that'll be it. Like, I'll open up my phone before I go to bed. I'll do a good night. I put it back down, and that's it. I don't want to be scrolling online. Yeah. I'm either reading or maybe watching something, but... I really try to just have that wind down time, mm, just like I'm, that. you know, my start time. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the day is the rest of the day. You know, right. Mondays and Tuesdays are my recording days. These are my ritual days. I am one of those people. If you wrote a book, I'm going to read your book. Because how am I going to yeah. talk to you about your book if I haven't really read it? Oh, exactly. it's give it a look. No, yeah. because there are points and things that, that you're sharing in there mm -hmm. that need to be addressed important issues, the secondary things, all the different things going on that you felt compelled to share. Right. This is your life. This isn't a story 
that you've written about somebody else. I love that, though. I love that you take the time to actually read what was wrote before you interview somebody, because not everybody does that. I I would just say that not everybody does that. And, you know, I love that you did that. I love that you took the time so that you can really dive into the topics in the book, because that's the, that's the point. And so I really, I, I, as the author, appreciate so deeply that you did take the time to read it so that the conversation could be so real around the book. To me, it's honoring your guests. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you felt compelled to share what you're sharing. And again, so many different authors that we get to share. Yeah. And so many wonderful books. I love and I forgot to say the title of the book, The Ritual Queen Uncensored, A Guide to Putting on Your Big Girl Panties. And it's so funny. I have a friend who uses that expression all the time. That, <laughs> you know, I get these girls to put their big girl panties on. And the first time I heard it, I'm like, they're big girl panties? Really? Okay. <laughs> Now I understand more and more because yeah. you know what? I'm serious. There's a lot of people out there that need to get their big girl panties on. There are. There really are in yeah. a good way and in a bad way. Right. Because, you know, we have the people pleasers and then we have those people out there that are please me. Yes. Please me, please me. And when you're done pleasing me, please me some more. Yeah. They need some big girl panties too because life is not always about you. That, that, and as a mom, most of us know that. Yes. Most of us know that. But, and again, you address it so beautifully in your book, it is really important that there has to be time that it is about us. Right. You got to have that balance. You have to. You have to. And it is, you know, we talk about that work-life balance and it's a juggling act. It, it really is a juggling act. But really, we're moms that have lived it. Yep. If it means you set that alarm earlier than the rest of the family needs to get up, please do it. Yeah. Please do it. If, try it. Like, pick two days a week and try it. You don't have to go. I always say to women, you don't have to go balls to the wall to change your life. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing. There's so many people out there that are like spewing this stuff of, positive vibes only, or you have to go all in or, you know, all or nothing. And that's just not my philosophy because positive vibes only to me is setting you up for failure because you're not always going to have a good day. You're not always going to be in a good mood. Things are going to come up. Things are going to happen. It's life, people, and it's okay. And you have to sit in the negative feelings to be able to work through them. Because if you don't address them, they're always going to resurface one way or another. So for me, positive vibes only is out the window. It doesn't exist because it's a form of perfection and perfection doesn't exist. And then also you don't have to go all in in order for things to change. You are allowed to take baby steps. Baby steps lead to progress. And that is what you're trying for. So pick just a couple of days to make yourself a priority. Start small and see the little changes that will come just from a couple of days. And that is going to lead you to wanting to implement it more. You know, it's interesting. Think about when your kids were young and you would say to your husband, honey, do you mind watching the kids so I can take a shower? Mm -hmm. When did he ever ask you, honey, will you watch the kids so I can take a shower? Right. Never. It's an amazing thing how somehow motherhood all of a sudden morphs people into, oh, honey, do you mind doing this so I can have a moment to myself? Yeah. They never ask that. (laughs) Now, I never has to say, do you mind? Right. No, 
They they don't. I don't even know. It's great. Like I was, I'm so blessed. Like with my husband. Like honest to goodness, that man from day one has been so completely hands on and involved in our children's lives. And you know, he was never somebody that expected me to do all of the things. Like me taking on and trying to do all of the things was my own bullshit like that I put on like those were expectations that I put on myself because of my people pleasing so in that area I know that not all women are lucky that they have a partner like that so I was very and I am very blessed that you know I do have a a fully equal partner who has always you know taken everything on with me so in that aspect from others, I realize I'm very, I'm very lucky and very blessed. But, you know, you're right, like he, you know, he would have never been, you know, one to say, like, watch the kids, I'm going to go. But I've also never had to say to him, I need you to babysit, because that is a real pet peeve of mine. When people say, is your husband babysitting your children? No, my husband is with his children. Right. That's what he does. Exactly. That wording has always bothered me, but I'm going to the store. Here's the kids. I'm going to the store. Okay. You know, like it. So it's just our dynamic and our relationship has always been a little bit different in that the expectations and when the kids were younger that I put on myself was on me. I did it out of my patterns and my habits and not something that he ever put on me. And that's why I've always said, you know, if I could go back in time, just telling him what I was dealing with and what I was going through could have shifted my life so much earlier if I would have just not been ashamed to admit it. You address that in your book. You do talk about the fact that it was you wanting to, as that people pleaser, Mm -hmm. that constant, you know, oh no, I don't need help. Oh no, I can do this. Oh no, I don't need, you know, and how easy it is to fall right into that. Yeah. It really truly is. I was a stay-at-home mom and he worked this super hard labor intensive job with these crazy hours. And, and I, my mind was, it's not fair to him to have to come home from a, you know, 12 hour shift and do anything when I'm at home. So that was my thought and my mentality was when he comes home, he should just be able to go sit down and relax and not have to do anything. You know, that was never something that he implemented that that was the way it was. You know what I mean? Like he would have never come home and been like, where's my dinner? Like that just wasn't the kind of man he is. But that was me. I was like, when he gets home from work, he will have dinner. He will sit on his chair and do nothing. I will make sure everything is taken care of because it's not fair for him to have to work as hard as he does outside of this house and me get to just stay home all day. You know what I mean? Like diminishing the fact that being home all day isn't hard. Thank you. Taking, I was taking, just waiting for yeah, you to realize yeah. like, like taking care of your kids and being a stay-at-home mom, that is a hard, hard job. Like ladies, acknowledge yourself for mm-hmm. what you do because for years I didn't. It took me a long time to realize you worked. <laughs> you worked a very hard job, Mama. It's tough. But back then, I was in that mentality and I was still holding on to all of my own, you know, limiting beliefs and what I grew up with and, and all of that, that 
I was at home all day doing nothing and he was out working this super hard job and he should not have to come home and have to deal with anything. Like I said, that was me. It was my own expectations, unrealistic expectations that I was putting on myself and not something that was ever put on me by him because I just wasn't, it's just not the kind of man he is. So that's the other thing that I do address in my book is you really need to look at those expectations. Like are other people putting those on you or are you putting them on yourself? And if you're putting them on yourself, change it. That's right. Stop. Women that stay home, that is the hardest job you could ever have. I think back, a friend of mine had a cartoon on her refrigerator and it was a woman sitting behind a desk in an office and her to do things. She had a stack about a foot and a half high and the desk is just, and this woman is sitting in front of her and she goes, I can't tell you how relaxing it is to come back to work after raising three kids. (laughs) But it's true. It is. Yeah. It's the hardest job. It's in the world. There is nothing harder than raising a family, raising good, caring people, you know, and, and again, in going back to your book and you and your husband are married 23 years. Yeah. Every odds is against you. Yeah. Let's face it. Yeah. We got together. We were 20 years old when we got together. It's crazy. You know, that, that's my son and his wife, my middle son and his wife. My son came home after a weekend concert. He came home and was like, mommy, I met the girl I'm going to marry. And I just, honey, Oh yeah. 20. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, but I met the girl I'm going to marry. And when he brought her home about three or four months later, they're together 11 years, married six, their their daughter's 15 months old. She's the most beautiful little thing. They own a beautiful home, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, if I had gone to the four corners of the earth, I never would have found a better girl for my son. Yeah. And it's an amazing thing because they were so young. Yep. But they knew. Yeah. And some people, you know, they're just meant. It's like cogs in a wheel. They work together. Yeah. Full time. And they love it. They love, love you know. That's our goal. That's my goal. That's my goal is to retire my husband from his current job and just be at home and helping me with my business. That's our goal. So that's what I'm striving for. Isn't that fabulous? Yeah. It's a wonderful thing when you find that person in life that is just that other piece of you. Yeah, he is. You know, there's there's a wonderful thing in that. I'm so blessed that I have two boys who found amazing women in their lives that they love and that love them and, yep. you know, have Yeah, I'm very proud family. to say my son has found that as well and very young. Like he was 19 years old whenever, 19? Yeah, pretty sure he was 19 when they started when they started dating. Aww. Yeah. It's amazing. So, yeah, it is. He's 24. Because... They're still together. They got engaged last year. I mean, because Aww. of the pandemic and everything. Wedding's been paused, but yeah, they built a lot of house together like over a year ago. And it's just wonderful. And you I know? never for a second, because of mine and my husband's, you know, getting together, like I never for a second, like you're too young. You know what I mean? Because like Earl and I met in um, well, I mean, we knew each other before we had worked together and I was, you know, dating somebody else. And, but when we started dating in July, I was pregnant by November and we moved in together in January and yeah, odds were definitely against us. And we had a lot of people that were like, mm, no, like my parents 
my mother and her husband were some of the ones that were like, no, this isn't going to work. And 25 years, I'm 45, I'll be almost 46 years old and we're still together. So isn't that a joyful thing? Yeah. And I you mean, know? don't, don't, don't get the idea that I'm sugarcoating anything that it's always been easy because it hasn't like, of course we've had our ups and downs and our hard times and, you know, but the fact of the matter is, is that we love each other enough and we're so invested in this and know that we're each other's person that you work through it, you figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's important enough to work through it because you know that they're your person and you will get through it no matter how hard it is. Finding your person. Yeah. That's really the key. When yeah. you know, when you know in your heart and soul yep. that, you know, and for some of us, it doesn't happen. For some of us, it right. does. And it is, life is what life is. And yeah. And that is so something funny. I will never take for granted. And I will always be eternally thankful and grateful. And that is like one of my biggest achievements in life is that I found my person. I found them young. We had our babies together. We never had to go through the whole custody and, and thing because I've watched family members go through it and deal with it. And I understand it can be a nightmare. And it is something that I will always be eternally. Like if I never achieve anything else in my life, I have achieved finding my mate. We have raised two children together. We have this beautiful, joyful, abundant, happy life together. And really, what more can you ask for? That. And the perfect way to end this, yeah. because it's true. What more? Although there's more happening, more is coming. There is. Yeah. And that said, even though that is the greatest thing in my life, if you have that inkling for more that you want more, go after it because you deserve to have every single thing you want. You don't have to limit yourself to one thing. That's the whole thing. That's the wonderful thing about life. It really, truly is. Yeah. You know, we die once. We live every single day. Mm, and good some one, days <laughs> may not be the better, you know, some days are great days. Some days yeah. are like, yeah, that was just that one, you know? Yeah. But if you don't live that life, if you don't make that best today, what, what is it going to be a bunch of Tuesdays? Right. You know, I mean, yeah. that's the joy about life and, and just going for it. Yeah. I mean, so, I wrote know, a book at 44 or 45. You why not? It don't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter. Go it, after what you want. How old you are, how young you are, yep, it's doesn't immaterial. Yep. Your dreams only happen when you make them happen. So Amen. wake up and make mm -hmm. them writing your book. It's getting it out there because this for some people is, you know, all of your struggles is somebody else's map. Yeah. How to, how to get through theirs in knowing they're not alone, you know, in knowing that in even finding your person, depression is depression. Right. And not addressing it is not going to change that depression. Addressing it respectfully and, and knowing that this is there and moving forward yeah. is what this is all about. It's a great book. Mm. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You're that. very welcome. So as we're wrapping up, what do you want to leave everyone with and let them know how they can find you in your book? Yeah. So we've covered so much. So really the only thing that I, you know, want to leave you with is if you're in pain, if you're feeling sad, if you're feeling lonely, please reach out for help. Know that people love you. You have resources that are available to you and you are worthy of finding that joyful path of healing in your life. So you deserve it and you need to ask, for help and achieve it. Find me. I am very easy to find. I'm all over social media. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Pinterest. 
I am the Ritual Queen everywhere. That's my website. TheRitualQueen.com is the centerpiece to find me everywhere. So go there. And then my book is available on Amazon and the ebook is available on Kindle as well as Apple iBooks. And yeah, it's Uncensored, a guide to putting on your big girl panties. And it can be your roadmap to healing. We will have links to where you can get the book and reach out to Teresa. I highly suggest that you do and enjoy this book because it's a good read. It really is. It's a good read and it's absolutely uncensored. And again, somebody else's roadmap as to how, because we're not alone, no matter how alone you feel, you are not alone. Yes. You are not alone. So reach out and know that you will get through this. We are in this together. We really are. So Teresa, thank you for coming back and sharing this. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you so much. You got your book out there. It's a lot. It's a wonderful thing to be able to do. And for all of you tuning in, thank you so much for being here with us. We're going to close out with our fabulous theme song from Smith Sisters Bluegrass. So till next time, this is Dory DiCarlo saying go out and create a marvelous you. Bye for now. She is sure. She is sure. She is sure.